Boss Uncaged is a weekly podcast that releases the origin stories of business owners and entrepreneurs as they become uncaged trailblazers. In each episode, our hosts, S.A. Grant and guests construct narrative accounts of their collective business journeys and growth strategies. Learn key success habits and how to stay motivated through failure, all while developing a boss uncaged mindset. Break out of your cage and welcome our host, S.A. Grant. Welcome, welcome back to Boss Uncaged Podcast. So this episode, I think I think is going to be a, a very fruitful episode for business owners um, in the sense that the person that I'm interviewing right now, you know, I always, I always make it easy for me to give them a particular nickname. So I'm sitting here and I'm looking at her bio and I'm looking at her history and I'm just like, what the hell am I going to name this woman? So I thought maybe I could call her the multilingual boss because she speaks four languages. And I was like, okay, maybe. Maybe I can call her the historian boss because that's what she went to school for. Then I was like, okay, well, marketing boss, PR boss, producer boss, the political boss, right? The healthcare boss. And then finally, I decided I'm going to call her the vaccination boss. And by all those bosses, I'm, I'm sure the listeners kind of like, what the hell are we about to listen to? So, Jennifer, <laughs> right? I want okay. everyone that's listening, if her last name does not spark something in you to be motivated and do more with your life, Jennifer, the floor is yours. Why don't you tell us a little bit about who you are and what we're talking about today? Well, thank you so much. Um, I am so honored to be here today with all of you. Uh, I am Jennifer Sparks. I am the CEO of Vac Mobile Corporation. And, uh, you know, it's true. The road to get here has been a little circuitous, but you know what? Um, I think that that is actually what makes a great leader is people who've had a lot of different experiences. Um, so I'm, I'm happy about uh, where my journey has taken me. Um, but what I'm doing right now is actually transforming vaccination records digitally. Vaccination records are really stuck in the 19th century. And I say the 19th century because they're still accessed predominantly on paper and in person. And you really can't say that about very many things in our lives anymore. We live in a digital world. So it, it really is surprising when you think about the fact that when you get a vaccination record, often you are getting it from a doctor and they give you a piece of paper. And then even if you upload that through a portal, like say for a school or something, uh, both you started with a paper record and the person on the other end is printing it out and then they're looking at it, but there's nothing really digital in terms of the whole process. Um, and that struck me as really needing a change. And, and, and uh, so that's what I'm working on is the digital transformation of vaccination records, um, all vaccination records, not just COVID records, but the pandemic came along and suddenly we had to focus specifically on the COVID vaccination record because that particular record we handle differently in this country uh -huh. than other records for the past several decades since we've been giving shots routinely since the late 60s, early 70s. We've been giving like 16, 17 shots routinely for zero to 18. Um, and then all of a sudden they did it differently with this vaccination record. <laughs> so, so we had to come up with some special technology just for that that uh, that, that card, there, right? That handwritten paper card that everybody's been getting if you got the COVID vaccination. So, I mean, I, I think that for the listeners just listening, like she, she talks so profoundly about vaccinations because that's like the space that she's in. But we're, we're, like on this show, I like to time travel back. Like I want to I want to be able to tell your story, tell your journey. I want the listener to be, be able to be like, I can do what she she's done if I just do a little bit more. So, like, just take it back. Like, how did you even 
figure out or decide to become, I think it was European history. Like how did that even come to fruition? Well, I've always been passionate about history. I've always loved history. Um, uh, I, I don't, I don't know how, why, but, um, as a, as a small child, um, I, uh, stumbled into the library and found that to be one of my most favorite places to be. And um, I have always loved history. Mm. Um, so that was that was actually just a, a, a no brainer. You know, when you would go on those field trips and and everybody else would be goofing off and playing around and everything. And I was always the one that was like a couple rooms behind because I was like actually reading something and like didn't stay with the group, didn't stay with the group. You know what I mean? Like they'd be like, what happened? You know? So I, I always really always loved, um, loved history. I loved just digging into what drives people, what motivates people. Um, and I think that's actually been really relevant in terms of understanding um, how to create products, right? Because it's the same thing, right? We just keep repeating. We go through cycles, right? Um, and and uh, history repeats itself. And so uh, I think it's important, honestly, to, to, to look forward. You got to be able to look backward. Wow. Wow. I think that's definitely insightful to even hearing you speak about it. Like, it seems like if you were time traveling, you were able to talk to yourself in the past and say, okay, everything that you're doing right now is going to come 20 years, 30 years, 40 years down the road. You're going to be able to use it. So soak it all in. So let's go back a little bit further. Like, we know that that, that was more of like your college days. So like, what kind of kid were you? Were you the kid that was walking around picking up rocks in your pocket? Were you the kid that was more TV? Like, what kind of child were you? Um, I was, I was definitely the kid that was the class clown. Mm. I was definitely the kid that was, um, I, I did, I was a kid actor. So I was doing performances mm -hmm. and that continued all the way through, um, childhood, high school, college at the university of Chicago I was performing in, in, in the Chicago professional theater scene. So uh, no, I definitely, um, you know, I won my Fulbright for my movement and creativity. <laughs> so um, I definitely have been a very creative uh, person and a person that was uh, into performance. So I've been communication has been my thing. Storytelling, that's my thing. I always has been. So I guess that, that that's pretty much how you got into production to a certain extent and becoming a producer and into yep. TV as well. Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I had a lot of fun uh, creating, uh, uh, producing pieces called the family travel minute, which was all about family travel and recreation, which was what actually brought me to Taekwondo, a family Taekwondo class that I was covering. I was doing a segment about it, a family Taekwondo class. And, uh, and my son, uh, really loved it. And because the kids used to come with me uh, when we would shoot some of these um, episodes and uh, the kids came with me. And then so we ended up enrolling all of them into Taekwondo. And then one day uh, it was my birthday and he was having a competition. And I said, uh, uh, his name is Benji. I said, Benji, go get a gold. Go get mama a gold. And the, the Taekwondo uh, master, he turned to me and he said, you don't tell him to go get a goal, you go get your own goal. Matter of fact, you go get your own black belt. <laughs> and I was like, oh, 
I feel so bad. <laughs> so embarrassed, ashamed. So then I did. So then I did go get my own black belt. And that that was uh, another really, really important part of my journey that I want listeners to know. Like, if you want to dig deep, mm-hmm. do some martial arts and go all the way to the end, because a lot of people quit. And a lot of people quit. I learned um, either at the orange belt, which is pretty early in the cycle, or they quit at the red belt, which is the belt right before the black belt. And I was like, what the heck? Why would you go that far and not finish? But uh, but apparently a lot of people do. So um, so I, I do encourage people who are thinking about being an entrepreneur to think about doing uh, martial arts because it's a, good, it's a very good analogy mm-hmm. for what it takes to, you have to have resilience you have to be okay getting smacked down, getting a little hurt along the way. Um, you have to be able to take criticism. Um, you have to be able to take some blows, get back up, get back on the mat, keep going, keep going, keep fighting, keep keep moving forward and keep, keep that end goal in mind. And that's something that um, I would definitely recommend to any entrepreneur. And plus, oh, by the way, it really feels good to break a couple boards when you have a bad day. <laughs> So for the listener, obviously, I think she's living up to her last name. And if again, if, you, if you're not getting that spark, if you're not getting that motivation, I, you, you you must not have a heartbeat at this point in time, right? So let's let's just dive this dive into this some more. So with that, I mean, obviously, you're telling us all these different facets, but again, your story kind of ends with all of these things coming together. So if you can define yourself in just three to five words, which for you is going to be extremely difficult, but three to five words, what would you select? I would say passionate, I would say driven, and I would say resilient. I could definitely see that. I could definitely see that. So let's just take that, right? So you're talking about resilience, right? And any business owner understands like there's going to be highs and lows and there's going to be heartaches and pains and drama and things that you have to find solutions for that may not even exist. And prime example is a product that you're talking about right now. So I want to talk about like on that journey, like what hurdles did you have to overcome in this phase of your career? Oh, but a lot of them, a lot of them. Um, among other things, I'm sure that you are well aware that the statistics around female entrepreneurs and VC funding is very, 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 small <laughs> very, very very tiny tiny amount of money gets given uh to to female entrepreneurs so you know when i learned about those stats early on i was like oh i, 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 I could take them on you know nobody. and then it's like you know and then you just you're out there and you're doing meeting after meeting after meeting and 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 you you see it you know you you, you feel it you know it's like wow it's like squeezing blood from lemons so um so, you know, it, it, it is really, truly um, not an exaggeration. And it actually went down. The percentage of money is like 2%. Um, it, it actually, out of all the VC money goes to, to female entrepreneurs, only 2%. And that went down. It was up a little bit higher than that in, in 2020. It went down in 2021. Um, so, so, so that has been an obstacle, right? You know, having to, to, um, to keep going. Uh, yeah, you do pitch after pitch after pitch, and and when you're pre-revenue, um, everybody wants revenue, right? They, all the all the all the funders they want to, they want to give it to people, but but when you're building something, 
that is actually um, technology that is responsive to a pandemic that you're in the middle of. You're building the plane while you're going through it, right? It, it, it was like, okay, well, I know you want traction, but it, there's a certain amount of time it takes to birth a baby, right? And so, you know, I, there's only so fast that you can make something go, something that's quality. Something that is going to, you know, and, and the reason I say that is we have multiple patents pending, um, but we had started work in 2020 on a particular technology, which is the basis of our first patent, which we actually put to the side because the government came out with the CDC white card. And when the government came out with the CDC white card and they announced they were going to have these mass vaccination sites rolling out all across the country, we realized that the first patent, because the first patent allowed a person to go in and query multiple different immunization registries, different jurisdictions that they've lived in, have all that information sucked into their account and then spat out in the right form for the jurisdiction they were currently living in, which was my problem when we moved from New Mexico to Georgia and my kids' shot records from New Mexico weren't a valid proof of immunization to register them for school in Georgia. Wow. So I said about fixing that problem. But when the government came out with this white card that was handwritten, I was like, oh no, this is going to be a disaster because I knew, I knew that if everything was handwritten, right, that means somebody else has to fat finger that information somewhere along the way to get it into the registry where it's supposed to end up. Because when you get a shot within 24 to 72 hours of when you get a shot, it's supposed to, that information is supposed to go into the jurisdiction wherever you're at, that registry, okay? And there's 64 registries in the United States, now 50. So it's like you're in New York City, they have their own registry. Big enough jurisdictions have their own registries. Um, so if, if you get my drift, yeah. I, I knew that when you start talking about people writing things down and it's not re your regular doctor that's giving you the shot, right? It's a mass vax site. I, I just knew we had to come up with something else because the idea that you could use the traditional infrastructure I knew it was going to be challenged and I was right, right? We had, um, we're a member of the American Immunization Registry Association, AIRA. And, you know, throughout the pandemic, the sheer volume, these, these registries were built in the mid 1990s and the sheer volume of records being uploaded in the course of one year for registries that were built for predominantly pediatric use. A lot of these registries actually crashed <laughs> during the pandemic and, you know, the, wow. the infrastructure itself wasn't there. So, um, and then they, you know, obviously they've gotten more funding and they're continuing to fix them, but, and then when they're working, they're operational, but, uh, but it means that the data, it's not perfect, right? So you might try to go to a registry and maybe one of your shots got in there, but not the other one, or, or, or uh, maybe there's no record at all uh, because in some instances at these mass fax sites, when you got handed that card and you walked out the door, that was it. You, you are the sole holder of that record. People don't, you know, um, realize that we're, 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 we're talking about human systems, right? And whenever they're, you know, somebody has to keep track of things that's all on paper, it can, things can get lost in the shuffle. Wow. Wow. So I'm just, I'm just going to take one thing that you had said, and it was talking about um, patents. So, I mean, obviously patents are, are a difficult thing for people to kind of grasp versus trademarks and copyrights. So, mm -hmm. I mean, do you have like a utility patent? Is it a procedural patent? Like what, what, what is the actual patent? And then how does, how did well, that process go? Right. Well, so, so both of them are patent pending. It won't come as a shock to you that, um, that among everything else with the government, the, 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 <laughs> they're behind too. <laughs> 
So we're still in the queue um, to, to have our, our examination with a, um, uh, somebody from the, the office, but, but the, the, the process is it's it's you know basically taking known technologies and stringing them together in a, a completely a new way basically uh, that's how we did it um, that's what we've what we've done in the case of the the one patent in the second one it actually is a completely entirely unique invention it's a it's it's an algorithm so it's it's what we're commercializing right this minute and it's an algorithm that allows us to score a CDC card looking for evidence of fraud. So uh, basically, when somebody self-reports and shows you their CDC card and says, I've been vaccinated, how do you, the person who needs to verify this information, if you cannot locate that record in a registry, then what do you do? So we're the then what do you do, right? Because I told you things got a little messed up during the yeah. pandemic. So so we, we think this is incredibly important because right now you have um, certain professions out there, uh, actually 17 million employees across the country that are under, that are uh, basically covered by the recent Supreme Court ruling that upheld the CMS rule from November 4th. So the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services rule that any entity receiving Medicaid or Medicare funding, uh-huh. any of those employees have to be vaccinated. That had to happen by the 15th of March. And those organizations, hospitals, health systems, behavioral health places, um, you know, infusion centers, I mean, just any place that you can think of, clinics, rural health clinics, uh, any type of location that's receiving Medicaid or Medicare dollars, they those particular institutions have to have a system in place for tracking the vaccination records for their employees. I'm talking about COVID uh, vaccination records. Um, and so that's, that's 17 million employees. That's a lot of people in this country. So it is, it's definitely important to us that if for some reason one of those employees had a record that couldn't be located in a registry that we would be able to supply another way for there to be some validation of that record because that's important right people yeah. people's jobs depend on it yeah i'm just, I'm just listening and listening to it so like i mean you're spitting off like this data and i just want to kind of help the, the listener to, co- to comprehend what, what she's saying so in one aspect of it i mean you have a new business venture and this new business venture is an app but this app is essentially at the point to where when that bubble explodes, you're talking about a, a global platform to essentially Absolutely. integrate all vaccinations, right? And then so that's, that's right. why you have your, your patent pending because once that thing hits international, you got to have protection because, again, everybody and their mom is going to want to get a piece of that pot. Absolutely. And, and, and it being globally scalable was something that we've been focusing on since the beginning. And, and, and it's something that I frequently tell um, investors and in, and in interviews, I try to make sure that everybody understands that the world, we live in a global economy. The world cannot wait for there to be an API into every known vaccination repository on the planet. We're not even going to get that by fourth quarter of this year here in this wow. country, in the United States, far less the whole world. Mm-hmm. But we need a way for someone to tell you if they're an international student, for example, or you're traveling internationally or somebody's coming into this country internationally, we need a way to be able to assess if somebody provides you a vaccination record, is that a valid vaccination record? If we do, we, what, what, what we're seeing right now is it's either one end of the extreme or the other. People are either just uh, not even really looking when somebody shows them a card, like, 
oh yeah, that, you know, okay, good. And then there's actually no checking whatsoever going on, or they're requiring it that it must be third-party validated through some kind of a government entity. And, and if it's if it's either one or the other, and you have all this gray area in between, that's where Back Mobile says, no, let's try to bring some sanity to this. Let's try to, let's try to, let's try to fill in the gaps and 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 try to have a way because AI and um, machine learning is really smart. Um, and so the, the more data that we have, the better the algorithm is going to get at spotting outliers. So what I'm trying to tell you is there's an algorithmic way that we don't have to necessarily get it validated through a registry to figure out if it if it's gonna if it if it looks and smells like a a, a good vaccination record, um, there there's ways we can do that with an algorithm, um, and similarly there's ways that we can out and out see some things that we know are fraud and say you got a bad one like for sure, <laughs> like so we definitely fail them in addition to scoring them. Does that make sense? Yeah, it, it makes total sense. And I mean, I, I downloaded the app and I was just processing like some of your endpoint data data points, right? So like, I think some of it, right? Obviously there's the algorithm behind the scenes that's doing the verification, but on the front side, you're front loading it, allowing the individual to do some of the data input. So you're gonna have to put in a passport or you're gonna have to put in a driver's license. You're gonna have to verify your face. It's also doing facial recognition to scan the card and match the card with the person that's actually putting the data in there. So like my next question is like about your systems behind the scenes with like the security, like how, like, I mean, again, for the average person, they're, they're, get, they're getting like a, like a, um, a brain freeze right now, literally thinking about all the different information that we're talking about. So, I, but I want you to kind of like break it down to like as lean and as humanly possible to kind of talk about these verification points in the system. Yeah, well, so you know how when you go to a doctor's office, you walk in and the first thing they do is ask you to produce your driver's license and your insurance card, right? That's the first thing that happens. Well, this is just like that. This is the digital version of that. We're having the person, not the insurance card part, we're having them produce their driver's license so that we can know, or passport, um, some kind of government-issued ID, so that we can basically know that the person who's in there creating the profile is the same person that's on a valid government-issued ID. And when I tell people that part of our, our process at VAC Mobile is about detecting fraud, it starts with that moment where you upload the government-issued ID. We, we, our partner in that is Jumio. And um, if Jumio does the scan and it tells us that you just uploaded a fake ID, well, that's the end of your relationship with Mac Mobile. And that's yeah. just all over from there. So that's the first step. Then after that, then we're going to go ahead and we're going to do the biometric scan and we measure the facial geometry. We, we look to make sure that, um, you know, the, the space between your eyes and ears and things like that measure up and are the, the exact same as that picture that's on that government issued ID. So we know, okay, it's the same person and it's really sensitive software. So it knows, you know, like you have glasses on in this interview, but if you, for some reason, maybe in your ID picture, didn't wear your glasses, mm -hmm. it would still be able to do it. Or you had a beard in one picture, but you didn't, when you, you shaved your beard that day, when you're doing your selfie in the app, it's, it can, it can see through all that stuff. So, um, so that's really important, right? Because we got to make sure in this day and age that we got the right person when we're going to go and we're going to be retrieving vaccination records. This is really, um, it's a HIPAA protected information, health information portability act. So we got to make sure that we are safeguarding this highly protected information carefully and that you are in the driver's seat. This is your account. This is your data. It's your privacy. You consent to use the VAC mobile app when you 
uh, when somebody wants to verify that information, you consent for Back Mobile to share your health status with that person. Um, so these are the things that we're doing is we're passing a back and forth uh, a token with an entity that wants to understand, you know, um, does SA Grant meet uh, our criteria for doing this particular activity? It could be getting on an airplane or it could be going to college or going to a school or going uh, to work, right? Whatever the job is. Um, but in each use case, there will be specific criteria. Maybe uh, you have to have had a COVID negative test result within 48 hours. That's often very common for flying, right? On the airlines throughout the pandemic, people had to do that. Um, and in some instances, maybe you have to, nowadays, maybe they're going to start saying that you need a booster, that just getting uh, one shot of a J&J or two shots of a, of a, a Pfizer or a Moderna mm -hmm. sequence, maybe you now need a booster, depending on what your role is, depending on what the vertical is. So what we do is we say, okay, what are the criteria? And does this individual match what those criteria are? If they match, we pass the token, they get the green, or if they don't match, then it's it's a fail. Um, but uh, but even before all the matching happens, like I said, we got to make sure that we think that uh, the credential is good that somebody's offering up. Yeah, I mean, I, I just I just want listeners to, to realize like like the technology that she's talking about. Prime example, like with my iPhone, if I take off my glasses, my phone is not going to recognize me. Point blank, period. And I wear a hat so much as like literally, and I I have to put my glasses and my hat on for my phone to recognize me. So what she's saying is that particularly her particular software is going to go down to whether I have a beard, whether I have glasses on. So, and again, I did the verification earlier today, so it may, it may bounce back, right? It, it may, it may, because again, I always have a hat and everything, but I think I may or may not have a hat on my driver's license. So it's even going to verify that data, which is phenomenal. And obviously that's why you have a patent pending on it. So like moving this down the road a little bit, right? We, like hearing you speak, I mean, everyone can kind of say, okay, obviously you're successful of where you are. And we kind of alluded to kind of like your history earlier on, but how long did it take you to kind of get the app and, and get this concept off the ground to where you're actually doing equity raises? Um, so it's, it's, you know, obviously we founded this company in um, 2020, mm -hmm. um, but we've been working on it since well before that. The, the, the very beginning of the idea of Backmobile started in 2017. Wow. Then in 2018, I got a lot more serious about starting to really research and look into this whole issue of vaccinations and what was going on with that. Um, sadly, uh, I lost both my parents in 2018 and 2019. Um, and so that was kind of a big uh, pause um, because, as you know, uh, if you've lost any relatives, close parents, in particular, if you've lost a family member like a parent, um, that'll just put a big pause on everything in your life. And so, uh, ironically, it was actually uh, their passing um, that made me decide definitively that I needed to do something really important. Important on for the planet that these both of my parents were people who made a massive difference in their lifetimes, and so it was kind of a, a real up close and personal check with myself about what had I done to make the world a better place. So that was when I said, "Okay, we're going to do this," because the big companies hadn't solved the problem, and they still haven't solved the problem. So um, I said, "Okay." 
I guess it's me. <laughs> I guess I'm going to do it. So, um, so that's when uh, I really got serious. And that was in like January of 2020. So again, we're not a COVID company. Um, so this was, that was when I was really getting serious about it. So yeah, yeah. Now, now fast forward the tape to now um, that, you know, that's what it's taken that, that long. So basically 2017, 2018 to now, so five years. Yeah, I don't think anyone that, that understands business would, would would by default know that you're not a COVID company just because of the fact that your your patent's pending and it, it it's like a trademark. Trademarks take anywhere from like six months to two years. Patents take longer than that. So just keep keep that and, in perspective. Yeah, and we 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 actually trademarked the name of the algorithm. It's called Vazar, and it's an acronym, and um and uh, it it is like FICO scoring, but it's Vazar scoring, and it stands for vaccination authentication vaccination authenticated self-reporting Bazar scoring. Um, and I had to make it uh, an acronym. My mother was assistant secretary of the army for manpower and reserves. Wow. And so like, you know, I, everything's acronyms in the military. <laughs> so, um, so uh, I like, I also thought it was kind of catchy Bazar scoring. So, um, so we, we trademarked that and we did get the, we, you know, basically um, we're, 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 we're very proud. We got the the mark for Vac Mobile, and um, and we're just we're clear, we're clear eyed about the fact that we're living in a world now where we need different health security protocols moving forward. And you know, in terms of trying to help your listeners really understand, well, what it, well, I still don't get what Jennifer's company does. Think of it like this: when there was a certain point in the evolution of this country when automobiles were happening where we decided at some point that we needed to install traffic lights at intersections because we couldn't keep driving into each other and crashing, right? And that's really what this software does for businesses. It allows businesses to better manage their ecosystems to avoid spread of infection, to avoid somebody walking into your ecosystem that is a vector of disease and is going to get everybody sick. That's really what it comes down to. What health safety protocols are you going to have in place to keep your employees, mm. your customers, your visitors, and your vendors safe? Because we cannot have happy ears and happy eyes and whoopee, everything's over. We can't just keep living this way because we just keep turning around and it's just whack-a-mole. We're just playing the same old, you know, try to, uh, pretend there's no virus when the virus doesn't care. The virus is, the virus is going to keep mutating. That's what viruses do. And so, um, so we're, we're of the opinion that just the same way after nine 11 security, physical security was forever changed, right? Those magnetometers came into airports. They didn't tell us at the time, like, Hey, we're just going to put these magnetometers in for the next couple of years. And then after that, don't worry, you'll be able to walk your loved one to the gate. No, 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 no. Security was forever changed after 9-11. And that's what we think about health security protocols, that, that, that they will be forever changed. And the, the vision or the world that we see is a world where everybody has their smartphone with them all the time. And everybody just scans, just scan to go into work, scan to go into grocery stores, scan to go into movie theaters, scan to go to the plane, scan to go to, you know, wherever, your church, wherever, scan, scan, scan. Because it's just that simple. If you start actually keeping track of the data and be accountable, right? Decide what the criteria are. You, the entity, not the government, right? Because the government's actually already made it pretty clear um, that it, you really, with this virus, it, you can't come up with a one-size-fits-all plan, right? 
New York City at the height of the pandemic, right, early on, was if you were in Idaho, it was a completely different story. Yeah. But then as the months went by, but then New York was much better. And you remember when South Dakota was in a world of hurt? Remember that? So it just moves around, right? It looks, it, it, the virus just moves around. So you can't, you can't come up with a one size fits all. And you can't come up with a one size fits all because you also have to look at what is the business? What type of business is it? Is it a, is it a baseball stadium or is it a cancer research and treatment center? Is it a school? Is it a, who's there? Can you even get vaccinations for zero to five yet? You can't, right? So if you are a technology company and you have a bunch of people in their late 20s, early 30s, and they have little teeny tiny babies and toddlers, right? Yeah. With a great resignation, right? People, a lot of people said, hey, I'm out of here, man. I'm not doing this. So we're so we're we're trying to be clear that what's needed is a digital platform that people can just decide these are going to be our rules. This is how we're going to work it, and then they and then they can just monitor the success of their own protocols. And if they need to tweak things, maybe maybe uh, if it's an ICU nurse, maybe they need to be tested COVID tested every forty eight hours on top of being vaccinated and boosted. Uh, because of the risk factors for that particular environment in an ICU. Does that make sense? Makes perfect sense. So, I mean, to, to translate some of that, and, and, and I want I want it to be like a visual thing. So right now, what you're talking about, like when we walk into the airport, we have a Delta app. The Delta app has a QR code, and that allows us to not only board, but to get past security. So imagine taking that, you know, I would probably think down the road, you probably have some API integration to where the, the Delta app then merges with your app. And then it'll be like two codes in one and you'll scan yep. and say, this is this person's flight. And also this person is vaccinated and they're clear to, to get on board that plane. Take that at scale. You can put that on boats. You can put that in churches, put that on anywhere. grocery stores and anywhere. So I anywhere, think anywhere. Yep. Yeah, it's, it's a fascinating concept, but, but so not, not, okay, just play devil's advocate with that. So like, obviously the, the, the pros are definitely there, but on the negative side, you have some people in society that's kind of like hell bent on not getting vaccination, getting oh, yeah. vaccine, right. right? So how is right. that going to work if, if a grocery store has it and you can't get in the grocery store? Unless well, because again, remember, we don't take a position. Some people yeah. might use the app only for testing, right? Mm. Right. So our position is, hey, you don't want to get vaccinated? Don't get vaccinated, but get tested, right? Get tested. Because with, I wish to, I wish that they had never come up with the word asymptomatic, right? I wish they would have just called it the invisible, right? The invisible. Then people would understand it a little better. Because yeah. when you say something's asymptomatic, it's like, I don't know, well, what is that? When you say it's invisible, it's an invisible virus, it's out there, it's a sniper. It's just waiting, it's waiting, it's going to get you. That's a different story. That's a different image. That's a different idea for people to wrap their minds around that somebody can look okay, they can seem fine, but they cannot be fine. And they can get somebody else incredibly ill. Um, and what I think is going to be the big story, by the way, of 2022 is not going to be COVID. It's going to be long COVID, huh. long COVID. One in three cases of COVID is turning into long COVID. And you might be saying, well, what does your app have to do with long COVID? My app is going to become incredibly important. It's not just the app. It's the app. It's the platform, the backend platform that has all the dashboard reporting for an employer um, or you know a business of any type, um, and a scanner app. So we we either have a standalone um, technology that it, it, the scanner app lives on an Android phone, 
or we can integrate. We have an API we can integrate, like you said, into anybody else's app. We're designed to white label into other other uh, uh, platforms, uh, like a physical security thinking, like people badging into work type of situation, or or like a HR platform. Um, but 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 in our world, it's just incredibly important because of long COVID and the devastating impact that that's going to have on employers' ability to for staffing shortages for. Um, Think about situations where the supply chain gets interrupted like it did earlier in the pandemic, but it's going to get a lot worse if one in three of these COVID cases, because we had so many cases of Omicron in January and February, but the World Health Organization says it takes about three to four months before the symptoms appear of long COVID. So you have lots of people who may have gotten a very mild case or even an asymptomatic case an invisible case of COVID in January and February that three, four months later suddenly may be having some serious problems. And, you know, the, the top three symptoms of long COVID, the ones that the, the World Health Organization is paying the most attention to right now, the first one is blood clots that are leading to heart attacks and strokes. Oh. The second one is uh, what they're calling brain fog, but which is very, very similar to early onset dementia type symptoms. And the third one is extreme fatigue, where like you just get winded just emptying the dishwasher. I mean, you could barely get out of the bed. I mean, these are things that are going to absolutely degrade work performance and uh, result in shortages for employers, you know, trying to staff shifts. So I just want to be clear that those three things that I just mentioned, like I wouldn't wish that on my worst enemy, right? Any one of those, that's awful. And and we don't know how many how many folks are going to end up with that. There was a story that appeared last week, a CNN aired it. Um, and, and, and the stats are, are pretty scary. Um, the, the numbers are, we're talking something, I'm going to pull it up here. It's like $563 billion. which is really a big number. Uh, you know, so, uh, this is, this is, this is real. Um, yeah, sorry. No, it's 386 billion. That's the number 386 billion. 386 billion in lost wages, savings, and medical expenses in the U.S. alone as of January. Huh. Oh, that's crazy. I'm just listening to like, I mean, obviously you're you're a profound entrepreneur in many different ways, and just hearing your, your passion on this particular topic. And I think earlier on you was mentioning about the loss of your parents, and I want to kind of dive into that a little bit, right? So you're you're an entrepreneur. You're on this path. You've always been on a particular projection, right? Is that coming from one of your parents? Like were one of them entrepreneurs in any shape or form? <laughs> Neither one was an entrepreneur. Um, uh, like I said, my, my mom had a, a, a very um, long career uh, working on the civilian side of the, of the military. Um, she she uh, started working uh, as an assistant secretary and then moved her way over to general counsel of the Army. And then finally, her highest post was assistant secretary of the Army for Manpower and Reserves wow. under Clinton. So, um, but so she was a lawyer uh, before she um, had these posts within the army. Um, my my dad was also a lawyer, um, and uh, but he um, he clerked for the the Supreme Court. He he was a Rhodes Scholar. He um, had grown up uh, in in pretty impoverished circumstances in Miami, and and ended up winning a scholarship to Harvard, and took the bus up to Harvard, and um, but. Uh, he always, always was doing uh, uh, work, um, you know, pro bono work throughout his career. 
um, and cared profoundly about uh, making sure that he was helping people along the way. Um, so I just was hugely influenced by, and, and my mother also served on, on many nonprofit boards um, and was uh, always helping people. And that was a big part of the culture of my household was, you know, um, are you a person who's, who's making a difference in this world? Um, and uh, that came through loud and clear for me. Hmm. Wow. So, I mean, finishing on that last note about making, making a difference in the world. I mean, obviously you're, you're married and you have a, a pretty decent sized blended family. So like, let's talk about that for a minute. Like with all the things that you've done, you figured out some way to create a family, get married. Like, how do you currently juggle and manage both sides of your brain? Cause obviously that's, you have to turn that switch on and off to, to be able to juggle these things. Well, you know, my, <laughs> I think, um, you know, I have a, a, a teenage son who's about to turn 20. My, um, my stepson's at, actually, he's, he's grown up, he's out of the house, he's working. Uh, yeah, actually, actually, uh, you know, he's, 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 he's chill. He's good. Uh, my, my, my twin, I have twin, um, uh, daughters and, and, uh, they're, they're 15, uh, about to turn 16. So it's, it, you know, Teenagers, I will say this, if you're going to be an entrepreneur, you know, having teenagers, that is such a bad thing because, you know, they, they tend to, they tend to do their own thing. Um, so, uh, so it's not as bad as it could be. I think, um, you know, as far as they're not, you know, I, I don't know how entrepreneurs who have little toddlers do it because I just know what it was like when my kids were smaller and I don't, I don't, I don't know how those, I, my, my, my respect to those people, all the respect. Uh, but for me, um, I, I don't like have any particular magic uh, words of wisdom other than my kids are watching me work incredibly hard. Like I will sometimes work until 10 o'clock at night and have gotten up at like four or five o'clock in the morning. Okay. That's not unusual for me. Um, but this is not unusual for entrepreneurs, right? People work hard in the first few years of a company, launching a company. You have to work hard, especially when you're building the plane in the middle of, you know, while it's flying, you know, which is what we were doing, trying to create solutions that were applicable for the moment we're living in, meeting the moment. But what, what I do know is this, when you stop, really stop and be present, and, and one of the things that I've done in the last couple of months with my kids is we are, we'll do a game night. We'll play games with each other. Um, and it sounds kind of hokey um, because I'm talking about like, you know, like board games and like, you know, um, card games. And um, but it's it to me, it's the best thing ever. Like when we just stop and we play, um, you know, I think play creative play. Um, being present in the moment for each other and and just laughing and joking and and goofing off uh, and you know how it is when you're with your family you know and you're ribbing each other and you know you're accusing the other person of cheating and all that kind of stuff that's the stuff that's the stuff that really really those are the moments that you cherish those are the moments that you know just make the time and take trips take short trips you know take a day trip take a day trip with your kids on a Sunday, drive somewhere, go somewhere, um, you break the routine. I think those things are incredibly important. Play with your family and take a trip every now and then. Take a break, really break. 
um, because little bitty breaks, but you're still kind of looking at your phone and you're still, you know, like for me, that doesn't work. So you're talking about board games like Monopoly? I mean, Monopoly has to be like. Oh, they like. Oh, they love Monopoly. Yeah, Monopoly and you know Clue and you know all the old school. You know, sorry, nice. <laughs> I'm coming. I'm showing my. I'm showing my age right now. But but all the old school, all the old school games that we grew up with, right? Uh, and and Uno and you know those kinds of things. Nice, nice. So I mean, would you would you, would you wake up regiment? You're talking about four or five o'clock in the morning. So like. Do you, I mean, obviously, you're well-versed in what you're talking about and obviously everything else you've done in, in your career. So my next question is essentially, like, what books have you read to kind of help you get to, like, each section of your journey? Like, if you could recommend one primary book that stands out that is timeless for you to kind of help an entrepreneur, which book would you recommend? Well, uh, a timeless book that I think is just such a great read is this one. Pour your heart into it. Howard Schultz. Starbucks story. I mean, this is a classic. This is a classic. Uh, I really just, I go back, I'll reread sections of this all the time. Because if you haven't read it, then you'll find out when you read it that this is a miracle that we have Starbucks because this guy had the door slammed in his face so many times, <laughs> hundreds and hundreds of times he had the door slammed in his face. People thought he was a nut job, you know? So to me, it's always so refreshing, you know, to, to read these stories of people who experienced so they, you got to be resilient, man. And he just, he just believed and believed and believed and persevered and look where we are now. So, um, so I love this. I love this book. And plus it's just, it's really well-written. It's really fun. So I love that one. Um, but if you're a female entrepreneur, I would recommend um, uh, Shelly Archambault's Unapologetically Ambitious and Kara Golden's Undaunted. Both of these are really good, um, pretty current uh, books published in the last couple of years, both of them. Um, I, I think they're great um, because for female entrepreneurs, you you, you definitely need to, um, you, you, the world just is gonna, is gonna give you a little bit harder time. Uh, uh, I just, I hate to say it. And you just have to be, you just have to be ready to, to, to just stand up tall and and, and like uh, Shelly Archambault says, uh, be unapologetically ambitious. Uh, um, so so there's that. But there's another book that I really like, um, and it's built on values. Um, and this is by Ann Rhodes. And she was the chief people officer for Southwest Airlines wow. um, for many years and a founder of JetBlue, one of the uh, original founders of JetBlue. And um, her book is all about how you create a culture that outperforms the competition, but it's all about your values. And she has a whole system for how you hire people uh, and how you're able to identify, have them identify for you what their values are. So you can really understand, Hey, does this person share my values? Because once we, once we're all united on values, then, you know, it doesn't, the skill set skills can be taught, but values that's, that's something that's got to be in, right? That's in the person. Yeah, definitely. So, I mean, with, I mean, going on that topic of, of values, right? I mean, obviously you're, you're establishing a company now that, you know, I think it, with, with, with it being fully built out, maybe 10 years out, five years out, is going to stand the test of time. And you're talking about probably having this product hundred years down the road, but in scope of work, where do you see 
the company or the, the platform 20 years from now, ideally? Um, I see it. I see it in use. Um, I see it as really ubiquitous. I see it like, think about like uh, Visa, right? Think about like the product Verifone, where every single time you go to a grocery store and you stick your credit card in and, and you know, it does the processing and everything. I think I see it as ubiquitous as Verifone. I see it as something that's just everywhere, um, that people just are very much in the habit of, of, of doing a scan to go someplace. Um, because whether it's, it's and, and I'm not talking just about COVID, right? I'm talking about digital transformation of vaccination registers where we started this whole conversation. Uh -huh. I'm talking about when you are um, doing anything. There's all kinds of use cases right now where they do ask for vaccination records, right? Whether it's for sports, for your kid going to sleepaway camp, for, uh, you know, obviously going to school K through 12 and matriculating for higher ed. Um, there's all kinds of places where we need vaccination records or if you're going to travel internationally. I mean, there's places right now that we need them. But I envision a world where, um, where we have really, really easy access um, and 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 to our to our records, we know exactly um, what we have, what we don't have, what our minor kids, you know, have, don't have, and it's very easy to pull up. It's very easy to use QR codes to to transmit this information, and it's like second nature. But but in doing so, it allows us in the future, if there's a future pathogen, that we have a system, we have a platform in place to be able to very quickly. You know, uh, while a vaccine would be developed, obviously you've got to have extra precautions. Uh, but 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 as soon as the vaccination's in place, you just you just you just don't lose a beat. You just keep on going, right? And that's to me what we cannot do. Um, we 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 cannot let what happened during this pandemic happen in the future. And by that I mean the of the million lives that were lost here in the U.S., fully two hundred thousand of them were in assisted livings or skilled nursing facilities. We're talking about our elders. To me, this is just unacceptable. We cannot do this to our elders, right? They, they just would shut down and then those you couldn't go see your loved ones in, an, in, a, in a nursing home or in, a, in an assisted living. And having just lost my parents, uh -huh. I know what it's like. Um, uh, and I just, I can't imagine, I can't imagine, um, you know, a, a really, really close family friend of ours, uh, she lost her husband. She's, she's 94 years old. She lost her husband to COVID just a few um, uh, months into the pandemic. And then she lost her daughter to breast cancer. She's all alone in there. And I couldn't go see her for many, many, many months. Um, and it just broke my heart. And I don't think we can, I just think we have to leverage technology to prevent that. And Back Mobile absolutely uh, would prevent that in the future. You would be able to have anybody going in and out, whether they were a, uh, an employee, a family member, or some sort of vendor in the facility, you could be able to scan and make sure that they weren't a vector of disease. I mean, obviously there's going to be a few little things here and there that might get through, but if everybody's using the system, it's, it's going to definitely increase safety dramatically. So does that kind of make sense in terms of what I see in the future yeah. as a world where we just, we work smarter, not harder. We, 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 we can, we can be smart about this. Yeah, I think definitely. So like that leads me to like, a, is it a good gateway to this next question, right? So with that in mind, like that future tense that you're, you're talking about, ideally, if you could leave like this 
30 seconds to 60 second words of insight, words of wisdom. You're talking to your ideal avatar here, right? And you're letting them know that this project is in existence and whatever hurdle that they're over, that they're dealing with right now, that potentially you're going to be able to take them forward. So what words of insight would you give to that individual? Um, I, I, I would tell them um, that do not give up. Do not give up. If you have a dream, if you have a vision, if you know that the world is going to be served by what you're doing, because I think that's really what's at the core of things, right? Mm -hmm. it's, it's, it's helping people. It's actually doing something that is going to meaningfully impact people's lives and make them better. If you know that, then stay rooted, huh. stay calm, because it's all going to come. It's all going to come together. And, um, and those obstacles can be overcome. And there are people out there that get inspired, get motivated and want to see change happen and they will help you. Um, I know it's happening for us at Back Mobile, but I would encourage any entrepreneur who's listening to just, um, just you know, keep going because everybody has tough days. Everybody has moments where they think, what did I do? Why did I do this? But just, just take a deep breath, take a walk, you know, smell the flowers, get out there, take a break and come back, come right back to it. Keep, keep going. Solid words of advice for sure. So with, with that being said, how do people get in contact with you? Where do they download the app? How do they find you? So if they are trying to um, get the, uh, the Apple version, the iOS native version, they can go into the app store. And download it, just put in VAC Mobile, V-A-C-M-O-B-I-L-E, VAC Mobile, all one word. Um, they can get it that way. The Android version, they can go out to the VAC Mobile website, which is www.vacmobile.app, and they can download the Android version. Uh, the, the latest release is there at the website right now. And that's the same place where anybody can contact us uh, to get a demo. Uh, if they're interested in getting a demo of this um, platform, we can set that up. They can put, submit a query through the website. And I'm also on LinkedIn. So um, find, me on, find me on LinkedIn, uh, Jennifer Sparks, Back Mobile. You'll find me. I'll pop, pop, pop right up and um, be, be delighted to reach out to, to folks um, and talk to them on LinkedIn as well. So um, I, I pretty much always accept connections. So I appreciate um, anybody reaching out because I, I, do, I truly, truly believe that um, we can be safer as we continue to move forward in this pandemic. And not only can we be safer, we have to be safer. We, 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 we just have to. We, 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 we just, what is that uh, Einstein, the definition of insanity, keep doing the same things and expect wow. different results. We, we got to do something different, right? As we head into year three of this, uh, this, this world we're living in with this virus. That's a bona fide fact for sure. So going into the bonus round, I got a, a bonus question for you. And and I'm thinking for you, I, again, I, it kind of blows my mind because like your background is so diverse. I have no idea what you're going to say. So if you could spend 24 hours with anyone dead or alive, uninterrupted for those 24 hours, who would it be and why? It would be Abraham Lincoln. It'd be Abraham Lincoln. And um, it would be Abraham Lincoln because he... Uh, 
that that guy, you know, 16 times he tried before he finally got elected. <laughs> and, you know, I love these stories of the underdog that, you know, pulled through. But then not only did he, he get elected, but he he worked so hard, you know, to, 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 to get elected. But then the worst part, I mean, can you imagine? The, I mean... Uh, what he overcame and what 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 problems that came the obstacles that he overcame um pretty pretty inspiring right um and and i think particularly now because you've you've done a really great job of being very very uh politically correct <laughs> during this interview um in terms of my particular product that i'm dealing with vaccinations is very charged right people get very emotional um and our country is very fractured right now um and so i would love to talk to him because if you go back again on the history buff things were very fractured in his time as well right um so i think i think he would be an incredible person to talk to. Um, and, and, you know, he really didn't, he wasn't, he was a lawyer, right? He didn't, he wasn't trained to, um, to become a commander in chief in, in, in a war. He, he had to go into, uh, you know, to, 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 to the library of Congress and, and, and start looking at books and, and try to understand how to be, a, how to command them, you know, <laughs> Union forces. He had no well, idea. Civil what, war at that. So that's yeah, that's what I'm saying. He, he had no idea. He was reading. He was reading Greek. You know, he was reading about Greek battles and different. He was trying. He was doing anything he could to try to figure out how am I going to how we're going to fix. You know, he, it was no no small thing what he managed to do. So I always I think I would want to talk to him because sometimes I get you know down on the fact that you know I wish I understood technology better. It's taken me a couple of years to figure things out and to understand things. Um, and I'm still learning every day. Um, but uh, but I think he's inspirational because he just looked at these things head on and just kept marching and even in the face of personal tragedy, he kept marching forward every day he is the model of resilience and grit um so i would i would definitely and he had a really good sense of humor too so i would i would i would like uh i would like to talk to him presently you answered that like a true historian hands down period <laughs> literally so going into closing i mean i i think I always like to give the microphone and, and give the, the show to whoever I'm interviewing. So now you're the host of Boss and Cage. Are there any questions that you would like to ask me? Of course. So my question to you is, in you've been doing a lot of interviews. So who is the most famous person that when you interviewed them, they really were unknown. Nobody had heard of them. And, but you knew, you were like, oh, this, this person's going to go somewhere. I know they are. Um Hmm. Who was that person and which company and what, what was it that really took off uh, from the time you met, you interviewed them to, to where, where they are now? I think it's difficult because it's, it's like, I have like three different classifications of interviews, right? So I have people that like are, are budding and they're up and coming. And then I have like the, the successful people in the middle. And then I have like the ultra successful people. Like I, I just okay. interviewed the, the founder of Redfin a couple of days ago. So like just hearing his story and who he worked with. And, you know, obviously he was like the right hand man to Jeff Bezos kind of just blows my damn mind. But then I have like the middle classification of people that are like multi-millionaires that are like walking amongst us. But people don't really know who they are unless they're in that area of expertise. And, you know, that's like Damon Burton, Ty Cohen, like they're just like industry legends in the marketing side. But the average person doesn't know who they are. Right. 
So for you though, of the, of the interviews, like of all your interviews, were there any that really stood out to you where you were like, wow, you know, this is, this is supremely uh, interesting. Something that you just didn't see coming something, something where somebody you interviewed somebody and, 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 and they opened up something, uh, you know, some topic, some, some way of looking at the world that you hadn't really thought about before you interviewed them. Yes. Yeah, so if, I, I think this is probably why I nickname everyone because it's just easier for me to kind of remember who they are based upon that nickname. And I would say the fearless boss, she was a force to be reckoned with. I mean, she was older, but just her telling her story growing up in Europe and, and putting her kids on a bus at like, imagine putting your kid on a bus at age six. That was the equivalent of what she was doing overseas. And to see her kids came out stronger, better, more motivated and eager to take over the world than a kid that's being oversheltered. So she just gave me like that insight to being completely fearless, removing fear from the equation and to just step forward and do whatever you need to do to move forward. I love it. I love it. Um, because that's that's it. Right. Just move forward. Keep moving. Keep keep your head up. No, no. Well, I, I definitely appreciate you taking time out your busy schedule to be on the show today. I think that, again, if she did not spark you into being motivated, again, I think that you probably need to get your heart rate checked just a little bit because you did a phenomenal job of just motivating and just defining what you're doing and being so passionate where you are in a space to where this technology could be used for years, decades, centuries down the road. It's a phenomenal thing to be on the front end of that. Thank you so much. And thank you. Uh, for for taking some time to to be part of this fact mobile story as well. It was pleasure it was all mine. S.A. Grant, over and out. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Boss Uncaged. I hope you got some helpful insight and clarity to the diverse approach on your journey to becoming an uncaged trailblazer. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, review, and share the podcast. If this podcast has helped you or you have any additional questions, reach out and let me know. Email me at ask at sagrant.com or drop me your thoughts via a call or text at 762-233-BOSS. That's 762-233-2677. I would love to hear from you. Remember, to become a boss in cage, you have to release your inner beast. S.A. Grant, signing off. Listeners of Boss Uncaged are invited to download a free copy of our host, S.A. Grant's insightful ebook, Become an Uncaged Trailblazer. Learn how to release your primal success in 15 minutes a day. Download now at www.bossuncaged.com forward slash free book.